Welcome to For What It's Worth, a podcast from Raymond James, designed to help you plan, invest, and live smarter. Hi, listeners, and thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Paige Lenson. We're glad to have you with us. You can find more episodes of For What It's Worth on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. In this episode, we're talking all about the housing market. Now, many aspects of the U.S. economy have really struggled throughout this pandemic, but housing has not been one of them. Here to tell us more about why we're seeing such strength in this market and what type of home buyer is creating this demand, I'm joined by Bill Geis, Head of Private Client Banking at Raymond James Bank. Bill, welcome back. It's good to be speaking with you. Thank you, Paige. Thanks for having me. It was probably a little bit over a year ago that we last had you on for what it's worth. We talked about the housing market. Needless to say, conditions were a lot different then than they are now. So take us back in time a little bit. Right before the pandemic hit, what were you seeing in housing? Great, great question, Paige. I would say what we were seeing in housing at that time was really a continued shift of clients moving more and more into the cities, into the urban centers. Um, and that happened across the board. So you saw it happen, obviously, with the younger younger folks, our younger clients, but you also saw it with sort of the older generation. People wanted to be sort of centralized, close to all the amenities that a city would um, encompass, whether it's you know, restaurants, the theater, just, just that whole host of amenities uh, across the board. You saw more and more folks moving into you know, towers, part, bigger apartment buildings, et cetera. That, that literally shifted uh, almost 180 degrees, um, and really after people started getting back into buying homes, I would say probably uh, end of spring, once COVID really hit and started to, people understood where things stood, um, you saw more of a migration out to the suburbs again. So, uh, you know, people sort of putting on hold city living, if you will, and moving to the mountains, moving to um, you know, just bigger properties in general, as, in addition to the suburbs, really they wanted more space, more places where they could do things. And then you saw sort of some of the, the structure of the home change as well. And, and that's, I think that's going to be something that we, we will see continue going forward. I imagine that both those lifestyle considerations that you mentioned, wanting to maybe move away from the cities that were so attractive before the pandemic hit, but interest rates certainly also played a role in this. We saw them, short-term rates were dropped to zero early in this pandemic. What impact did that have? Yeah, I think interest rates have played a real, real big part in, in the move in terms of affordability. I think a lot of clients um, still um, you know, think about you know, what's my monthly payment going to be? And obviously with the lower interest rates, you can afford a little more, a little more house. I think what you saw though was there was a pause in the market um, in that nobody really knew what was going to happen to the economy and um, with things in general. I think as so as interest rates came down both on the short end and the long end, you've seen you know clients feel a little more confident that they can sort of buy a little more home. I think people might have been initially surprised how quickly they could sell their existing homes. Um, and in some ways, um, with sort of this increased demand that I spoke about earlier, you've seen sort of the need for more and more of our clients to become cash buyers. So in some ways, you know, we've seen clients, you know, buy their home for cash or use short -term, short term, more short term financing to make that purchase and then go and they'll put a mortgage on after the fact. 
it's really because you know being a cash buyer provided them a lot of flexibility versus maybe somebody else that maybe need to sell a house first that I would it be accurate to say then that a lot of this um, demand surge has been for more affluent home buyers, those that were able to maintain their current standard of living or were able to work through remotely throughout this pandemic? Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a great question. I think we've definitely seen um, you know, some divergence in terms of the activity at, at the higher end. A much more affluent client has had more options on the table. Um, at the same time, though, I think what we, we have seen continued, and again, I'll speak to St. Pete uh, area, we've seen an increase in demand um, across the board. It, it is really challenging. The biggest challenge, though, at, at the lower home price in, in the marketplace is actually is bigger, more so inventory. And there's just not a lot of inventory that's been built up over the years to support that, that marketplace. So that's become a challenge for, for those clients seeking you know, a more moderately priced home. Uh, but we have seen, uh, to your point, across the board um, in somewhat you know, more remote mo- markets, the mountains of North Carolina, um, you know, Colorado, you know, Utah, a pretty big spike in, in pricing for whether it be second homes or people wanted to get away, get off the grid, so to speak, if you will, more space, different lifestyle. And with this sort of a, hey, I can work anywhere type of mentality when sort of work from home, people are choosing to be where they want to be, um, where they can be out, outside more and you know, take advantage of different, a different lifestyle, if you will. Let's talk a little bit more about the generational differences or similarities that you mentioned on the younger end, I think one thing that's really interesting, our, our Raymond James analyst Buck Horn has noted that millennials have sort of hit a peak age for home buying generally that's also contributed to this surge. What are you seeing from those younger or maybe first-time home buyers? Yeah, I think that's that's exactly it. And so when you sort of look at Buck's research as well as some of the things we've seen, uh, the millennials were a little later in terms of their cycle and entering um, the home buying market. And I think that probably led to some of the, the pause, if you will, in new construction, uh, probably a little more discipline from the banks than there had been in the past. But you're seeing them sort of migrate into that market pretty aggressively. The challenge has been affordability. And so sort of playing on your last question around interest rates, with low interest rates lower, it, it makes buying a home a little more affordable. Um, but it is still a challenge for a lot of our clients, especially in um, you know, on both sides of the country and both, you know, both coasts, if you will, where home prices are much more expensive. Uh, it, it is still really difficult for a, a new first time home buyer, young couple to buy that first home. And, and so we are seeing, you know, in many cases, mom and dad helping out as best they can. Um, but uh, it, it is a challenge ac- across the board for those clients. Let's turn then to more senior home buyers. This has been a really interesting time in that uh, the pandemic has obviously been a big consideration when it comes to being in any sort of assisted living facility or with uh, you know other people in your community who are at a higher level of risk. Has that created more demand for aging in place, for wanting to live out your retirement in your own home? Yeah, it, it, it definitely has. You've seen a lot of those clients that were sort of you know, getting older were sort of moving to the city because they wanted sort of a different lifestyle. And they we're thinking about that sort of as a step free, maybe pre-assisted living. And, and But what you've seen is 
the assisted living utilization or occupancy levels has really shrunk and you're seeing more demand. You know, we've, we see a, a fair amount of it on, on the bank side for clients sort of tweaking their house or renovating their house to make it more long-term livable friendly, if you will, as well as changing the types of homes that they're buying, both as clients think about, you know, their post-retirement years and sort of aging in place, if you will, but also from sort of the whole work from home environment. And that clients, um, you know, used to be big open rooms, bedrooms everywhere, but now it seems like more and more homes are being built with the need for workspace. That's not really a bedroom, but more of a true office, dedicated office for one or two spouses to be working there. And that all of a sudden becomes more, more valuable to the, to the client, if you will, in terms of how they're going to live their life. You know, you're seeing more, more and more people that, that do want to work from home. And we're hearing more and more of that on, the, on all the respective surveys, both, you know, of clients as well as obviously our own associates. Is multi-generational housing. So, you know, parents either having adult kids home with them or maybe having an aging parent. Is that something that you're still seeing? It is something we are still seeing, and um, I would expect that to continue. I, I think the, and again, not the housing expert per se, just sort of what we what we see in terms of clients coming through, you know, with, with the home purchases they're making. I think what you see, what I've seen anyway, is more and more clients, probably three, four, five years ago, opting for smaller homes or city homes. Um, that was following a trend. Um, you know, probably in the mid 2000s where the big homes, the big McMansions and someone called them were exploding everywhere. And it sort of went smaller. I think you are seeing the resurgence of, of larger homes again with more and more the, what, I, what I would have called them back, you know, at one point sort of in-law suite type situations where they're separate, distinct maybe living quarters, if you will, uh, for the children or, the, or, or the, the parents that may choose to live with their uh, with the children. So, a little different environment across the board. Now, of course, when interest rates drop, this has a big impact on, on banks, too, and, and the decisions that they're making when addressing this housing demand. How have you seen banks adapting to this new surge in home buying during the pandemic? Yeah, great. Another great question. I, I would say two or three different things happened as it relates to financing and home purchases going back to the pandemic. I, I would say... If you go back to mid-March when sort of the national stay-at-home orders first uh, were enacted pretty much across the country, you saw a complete pause in the marketplace. And that was that coincided with a pretty significant drop in the stock market and you know, sort of followed by the drop in interest rates. But clients were still unsure, as was everybody, about what was going to happen in the economy. People were very concerned with is this sort of, you know, the start. Uh, to uh, much more disruption, more of a, as I think back to my own experience, is this sort of the, the, the Great Depression all over again? And then there was a lot of fear. So there was a real pause across the board um, and lenders were very quickly, uh, very quickly changed or shut down their process, right? So there was a really big disruption in the mortgage space um, across the board, not just from the banks, but from other lenders. So banks sort of tightened up their credit standards, I think, initially, uh, pretty pretty aggressively, and we're really trying to seek uh, good borrowers. A lot of banks shut down their refinancing opportunities, and 
using existing cash out, refinancing to buy maybe another home or something or second homes that got tight. Then what you saw is gradually as people became more comfortable in the marketplace, you saw banks start to slowly loosen things up. Um, I would say probably industry-wide, they're still a little tighter than they were a year ago, which may be a little bit of a surprise on the credit standard side, but what's changed is obviously pricing. Um, so, so pricing or interest rates have moved down you know, pretty considerably with the market. However, what's a little misleading and maybe a, a little different today than say even, even a year ago, maybe going back three, four or five years ago, is rates came down so fast and all the banks were inundated with so much volume on the refinancing and purchases that the banks were not forced to lower rates uh, measure with the market decline, if you will. So, so banks probably were a little wider in their spreads, if you will, in the mortgage space um, as they brought in enough staff to sort of meet the demand. And you saw sort of a big rush across the industry to trying to, to bring in people to meet that demand. I think what you're seeing now is that equal, you're starting to get to more of an equilibrium in terms of interest rates. So uh, interestingly enough, while the 10 years continue to decline, you've actually seen rates uh, actually start to go back up on the 10 year now, or as we approach you know, 110 basis points, you're seeing um, you know, rates sort of stay flat, you know, maybe a little bit of a move up, but not nearly to the extent as when um, you know, the 10 year rate was closer to 60 basis points over the summer and, and late fall. So big, big difference there across the board. Do you consider what we've seen in the housing market throughout this pandemic to be a housing bubble? Uh, um, I would say we're not in the housing bubble yet. Um, I think just, just the opposite. I think there is a lot of demand but there's not a lot of supply. Um, I, I, I do think that banks uh, are much more disciplined in terms of lending to builders um, to go out and sort of build speculative homes and, and housing. So I think you have more of a control factor today. I think you also, that's why you don't see, um, you, you haven't seen that level of construction development around the country to keep pace with, with the growth in the marketplace. My concern is that we are in the first inning, second inning, maybe of what could become a housing bubble down the road. Um, this market to me has some feel, if you will, similarities to sort of the post 9-11, you know, sort of where everybody was sort of looking inward and, um, you know, sort of uh, nesting, I think, might have been the term that people used at that time um, in terms of um, you know, staying at home. There's a lot, you know, the people didn't go out for a period of time. You all refocusing more on family life. Yeah, it, 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 exactly. And then you saw that sort of lead to, wait a second, I've been cooped up in the same home for so long. Maybe my house isn't exactly what I want. So you saw sort of string of refinancing as rates came down. You saw a lot of home improvement, and that led to banks doing more and being more aggressive. And where I'm going with this is the fear I would have is that as banks have built all this infrastructure, as lenders, I should say, as well, have built all this infrastructure to keep servicing this demand they've had over the last few years with mortgages, will we be smart enough as an industry not to 
allow that to continue or sort of feel the need to keep filling up those pipes, if you will, um, when the demand slows. So what could so two things happen in that environment if that doesn't doesn't occur? You have banks chasing um, loans with their infrastructure either with, with at returns that don't make maybe financial sense from a yield standpoint, or they start to loosen credit standards um, to meet the demand and and sort of keep that going. And so uh, I'm hopeful, if you will, that this time banks have learned their lesson and uh, don't allow that housing boom bubble to exist again. But that would be a concern I have for the industry overall. Let's talk about your outlook, your future looking outlook. For the next year or so, uh, vaccine developments are going to have a big impact on the economy, potentially on the markets as well. Do you think that's going to matter to the housing market? I I think, um, I, I do think it will. I think as people get back to work, uh, have a little more confidence. Um, I think there will be even more demand as long as rates stay, stay the same or same similar level. I think what you've seen and heard um, from the Fed is that they will try to keep rates at a very low rate indefinitely. I think I've heard the next two, two plus years. I think to the extent that, that you see rates uh, on the 10-year where we are today in that low 1% range, maybe a little higher, um, I could see this continuing for some some time, and given the demand and, and some of the demographic issues that we've talked about, right? And and so I think that could really play in here. I think when you have that on top of what has been a really um, significant increase in the stock market, you have clients who all of a sudden feel a lot wealthier, are a lot wealthier at, at sort of the higher end of the curve, and you you may see more of them decide, you know, maybe maybe I have more flexibility to do different things. I can move around geographically. You know, I can have that mountain house. I can have the second home at the beach, whatever I want to do. And I think we've seen sort of some changes in the economy that people are much more comfortable working from home and home may not always be um, maybe a different place from time to time for people. Bill, we're so appreciative for your perspective. I've got one last question for you. Of everything that we've talked about today, the generational trends, this huge surge in demand, has there anything, has there been anything that surprised you the most about this 180 flip that we've seen in the housing market? I would say it's a it's how fast it happened. Um, you know, it was, you know, talking to folks here at Raymond James and, and elsewhere, you saw a lot of people really looking to moved to the city and really want that city lifestyle and everything. But it was almost as, as soon as the pandemic hit, you had a, a complete stoppage in buying of homes. And then almost as quickly, you saw it, it accelerate across the board in terms of new purchases. So that's that's been a surprise to me is how fast it, it turned um, and how aggressive the market has, has changed uh, across the board. And, and you know, whether that continues, I, I don't know. Um, you know, I would tell you that, you know, we're what, 10 months into the pandemic going back to, to March now. And, you know, we have, we have never seen more activity in terms of purchasing of homes uh, than we have recently. And, and, you know, we're in a winter month and the winter tends not to be a big home buying season, but it has not slowed down at all. So that gives you anything. 
We'll be watching throughout the year to see what happens in the industry. Bill Geis, head of private client banking at Raymond James Bank. Bill, thank you again for your perspective today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Paige. Thank you for everything. Listeners, thanks for tuning in. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So be sure to subscribe to catch all our latest episodes. For what it's worth, I'll see you next time. All opinions and information, including any price references or market forecasts, correspond to the recording date listed in this episode's description. Any performance figures noted do not include fees or charges, which would reduce an investor's returns. The information contained in this podcast is not research, nor does it constitute the provision of any investment, financial, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or recommendations to the listener. Raymond James and its financial advisors do not provide tax or legal advice, and you should discuss any tax or legal matters with the appropriate professional. Past performance is not an indication of future results. There is no assurance any investment strategy will be successful. Investing involves risk, and investors may incur a profit or a loss. Investment products are not deposits, not FDIC and CUA insured, not insured by any government agency, not bank guaranteed, subject to risk and may lose value. Copyright 2020 Raymond James & Associates Inc. Member New York Stock Exchange, SIPC. Copyright 2020 Raymond James Financial Services Inc. Member FINRA, SIPC. Raymond James & Associates Inc. and Raymond James Financial Services Inc. are affiliates of Raymond James Bank.